Well, you just heard Air on a G-String by uh, the great Bach and that arrangement by Ward Swingle and performed by the Swingle Singers. And uh, welcome to People of Note. My name is Shireen Hollier. And as you know, this program is usually presented by Richard Cock. But today we're turning the tables because it's a really auspicious occasion. The 70th birthday of Maestro Cock. So today he is the person of note. And I invite you to sit back and relax because for the next two hours or so, we explore the life of this very special person of note our own Richard Cock. Welcome, Richard. Thank you very much. Hi. Seems quite odd sitting on this side. <laughs> I'm sure it does. And how does it feel to be at the big 7-0? Well, it feels amazing. It doesn't feel much different to being 69, <laughs> but uh, it definitely is a milestone, exactly. I have to say. Uh, and it really feels like a milestone now. Yes. Three score years and ten. You've made it. I've You've made, made it. it. <laughs> Richard, you really are synonymous with music. I'd love to know, have you always, was that always something that you wanted to do? Uh, it wasn't, actually. I always, uh, I started piano lessons when I was quite young, and uh, I kept up with those through prep school. Uh, when I went to senior school, suddenly uh, I was exposed to a much broader musical sphere at the school because there was a choir and there were instrumental ensembles, which I hadn't had up to then. So suddenly I was in a much bigger musical world, and I think that's where I got hooked on music, although I still wanted to be a farmer. That's what I really wanted to do. Really? And do yeah. you farm now? No, do you, you, no, no, do no. Do you not even grow any I just, vegetables? I just farm music. <laughs> yeah, no, we grow. We certainly grow do vegetables you? at home. Yeah, we've got uh, tomatoes, lettuce, uh, peppers, Onions, all on a little patch. It's very good if you're a musician. If you run yeah. out of work, you could feed yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> um, no, so I wanted to be a farmer, but then the farm that I was hoping to take over, which was a dairy farm, belonged to an uncle and aunt who had no children. Yes. Sadly, was sold when I was in matric. So that sort of dashed my hopes okay. of being a farmer. But there was a very perceptive director of music at the school. And he said, actually, don't worry about that because you'd make a very good music teacher. And so I took his advice and I went to university to study music. But I had a lot of catching up to do because I'd never done music theory. I'd only ever played. And you only began then? I only began in post-matric. Well, One we're delighted <laughs> that he actually gave you that advice. Yeah, John, John Badminton. He was an amazing chap, actually. How wonderful. But he wasn't the guy who got me hooked on it. The guy who got me hooked on music was a man called Claude Brown. He was the director of music and had been at the school for 35 years or something. And he got me hooked on music. John Badminton sort of honed it. Oh, well, we're very delighted that yeah. they did because uh, music certainly wouldn't be the same without you in it. Let's listen to the next piece that you have selected, which is a wonderful arrangement of Bach's Ave Maria, and it's performed by Bobby McFerrin, the great vocalist, and Yo-Yo Ma. Right, well, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to People of Note, and uh, my guest in the studio, table's turn for today, is Richard Cock. And Richard Cock, I know that you are your favorite musician, um, well, I'll let, let the listeners uh, get the answer from you for that one. Yeah, Bach, and uh, the first two pieces were by Bach, um, has always had a special place in my life because when I was in Standard 6, I started learning the organ. And, of course, Bach is the great organ person who wrote music for people like me to play. 
And But I've always loved arrangements of Bach. And in fact, I remember meeting the swing, not meeting personally, but coming across the Swingle Singers when I was still at school. And I had a very good friend, Rob MacDonald, who used to travel with his parents, and he would get all these vinyls of unusual things. And he loved listening to music, and he introduced me to the Swingle Singers. And I remember playing it for the, the then director of music, Claude Brown, who was a purist, and, <laughs> and he was amazed by this. And he said, leave it on, let's hear a little more. He said. <laughs> and I was really hooked on Bach from an early age, and I still am hooked on Bach. I think he's an amazing composer at many different levels. That's the, the nice thing about Bach, is that you can listen to it like this, which is quite entertaining, the Swingle Singers and Bobby McFerrin, but you can listen to it on a much deeper level also because he was a very spiritual man himself. Mm. And there are all sorts of interesting things that you can hear in Bach if you listen carefully. I know one of our colleagues, Peter Terry, told me once that he said uh, he'd played a piece of Bach music and uh, he said something about that's probably the type of music that you would hear in heaven. And the door opened and you said, that is the music that you will be hearing in heaven. <laughs> so certainly your love of Bach and very, very well known here at Classic 1027. Yep. The music growing when you were growing up, did you always listen to classical music or were you like the rest of us who listened to the pop of the day? Well, I had an older brother and sister who were into Elvis, it was in those days. That's, I think my earliest memories of listening to music would have been Elvis Presley uh, because they would have had old... Um, seven singles. <laughs> yeah, seven singles that they used to listen to. And I certainly remember hearing that at home. Uh, my father bought uh, an LP, which I remember very, very clearly. It had Peter and the Wolf on one side and I think Carnival of, of the Animals on the other side. But he also bought an, an LP of King's College, Cambridge. And I remember, so my earliest memories of listening to music are Elvis Presley, King's College, Cambridge Choir, and uh, Carnival of the Animals and Peter and the Wolf. Wonderfully and wide I, on, a, on a huge... Uh, Edges of the scale. <laughs> no, no, no. A huge, um, what do you call those? Th like a, uh, a record oh, cabinet thing yes, with, with, the, with the turntable <laughs> inside it. It pulled out on a tray. It was unbelievable. <laughs> they were very yeah. important parts of the lounge furniture. Absolutely. They were big. So on to some more of your, uh, your favorite music then. What's coming up next, Richard? Well, this is part of the Brandenburg Concerto Number no. 5. It's the second movement. And it's Concentus Musicus of Vienna under Nicholas Arnoncourt. The second movement from Johann Sebastian Bach's Brandenburg Concerto Number no. 5 in D Major. That performance by Concentus Musicus Wien. And that is the choice of my guest in today's People of Note, Richard Koch. So, Richard, were you inspired by other conductors during your life? I certainly was. One of the interesting things that we did at school. Uh, was this choir that I sang in. There was also an adult choir which the same conductor conducted. And once a year we used to join this adult choir performing at the City Hall in Cape Town. And sometimes we had visiting conductors. David Tidbold was one of them. And I was always amazed by the power of people to stand in front of a whole group of musicians, instrumentalists, choirs, and pull the whole thing together. So it was a very interesting thing for me to watch them. And I think I learned most of my conducting skills by watching other people. I used to sing also when I was at university under Barry Smith, who was the organist of the cathedral there, and he used to do big choral works. And I remember learning a lot from him 
And you learn by watching other people what to do and what not to do also. And that's very important that you learn what not to do. And I did learn a lot from watching them about what not to do because some of their conducting, I'm not saying any names here because um, that would not be a good thing, but you, the, you could see when things were not going smoothly and why they were not going smoothly. So it was a very interesting process. And there's some, there, there are a number of musicians who believe that conductors are not necessary. I'm sure <laughs> you know about Nigel Kennedy <laughs> being quite outspoken on the subject. Yeah. And then you were a guest on one of Gareth Cliff's shows and uh, you chatted about being a conductor. And the following day you posted a, a little cartoon with the sheet music. We could see what it said and it said, wave your arms around. <laughs> when the music stops, turn around and bow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... Uh, Actually, we were, I was talking about this this very morning because I think if you're in front of a really top-class orchestra, they know how to play. Mm. They've played all these pieces hundreds of times. So what you're really doing is just inspiring them. Mm. If you can inspire them to play it better than they would have played otherwise, you don't actually have to do very much. Mm. I mean, obviously, you have, there are crucial moments when you need to do things to you know to get them going and so on yeah. and to get them around tricky corners but basically people can play but yes you need someone there to to pull the edges together and to direct yeah. the course and and the yeah to. and the key moments yeah well we love having you on stage yeah what's your next selection richard well i've chosen the vidor toccata because uh, actually the organ was my entry into a whole musical world because I was into church music and I uh, won a scholarship to go to the Royal School of Church Music in England. So once I'd finished at UCT, which was where I studied, I then went to England. I taught for six months in South Africa at my old school because the director of music wanted to go on long leave. So I was there for six months. He graciously allowed me to take over. And that gave me a lot of confidence also because suddenly I was in like a big, well-known school running the music for six months and making decisions and, you know, having to do what I did. And then I got this scholarship to go to England, and I knew I was going, and it was all through the organ and church choirs. As soon as I left school, I took on a job in a church running an all-male choir. It was a small choir of men and boys, uh, but that was also an amazing training because uh, suddenly I had my own choir to run, uh, which we did. But it wasn't only running the choir. It was also entertaining these kids who came from very tough situations at home. They were quite, I won't say, well, they were disadvantaged kids. And it was very interesting for me to control a body of people and to keep them entertained and organize football matches, take them up the mountain, take them to concerts, feed them sometimes, get them home after choir rehearsals. It's It was a big responsibility for me, and I learned a lot in those four years that I ran that choir, a huge amount. We also joined with other choirs to do things. We would go on summer schools. We had to raise money. So it taught me many, many important skills, which I still use mm. today. Mm. Uh, and about dealing with people. Mm. There were some tricky customers yes. um, in the clergy and, you know, coping with that, that side of things because clergy often interfere in the music because it's there, it's what they it's do yeah. also. Yeah. So that I was coping with that and and being at university and 
you know, f- and time management was crucial because I sang in a choir. I had my own choir. I was at university. And I don't think I ever missed a choir rehearsal, either of the choir I was in or the choir I ran, whether there were university exams going on. It was all about time management. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, someone wrote me a letter recently uh, from my choir. It's, she's an old lady, Karen von Schilling, and she's been singing in my choir something like, let's say, 24 years, I think it is. And she said, do you know that not once in 24 years have you, that's me, been late for a rehearsal? It's about discipline. And that's what I learned. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, let's listen to Charles Marie Vido's Toccata from his Symphony No. 5. And the organist is Marinda Sneeman. This is Classic 1027, and you're listening to People of Note. My name is Shireen Hollier, and we are celebrating 70 years of music with Richard Cock, who celebrates that very big occasion this week. Richard, you've worked with many international musicians. Tell us about some of those that have impressed you the most in terms, again, possibly of their work ethic. Yeah, well, there have been many. Um, I think when I set off to England as a student, I was very keen to meet the people who'd been my musical heroes, one of whom was David Wilcox, who was the organist of uh, King's College, Cambridge. And I still have the letters that I got back from him, because in those days, when you wrote a letter in England, it was delivered the next morning. Uh, And you got a reply. I got a reply from David Wilcox, who was this big cheese, the next day. Because I wrote to him to say, could I come and sit in on a rehearsal at King's College? And I still have the letter saying you'd be most welcome to come back, to come to King's College. This is where you must go and what you must do. And that sort of efficiency really impressed me. And I I try to be as efficient today. I try to answer all my emails every day because people deserve an answer. If they've written to you, they deserve an answer. And so listeners who write to me get a reply. Because I think if they've taken the trouble to to write to you and say thank you for something, then they deserve a reply. So he certainly impressed me. The two people who are coming up in the next performance, John Rutter, uh, has been out here to South Africa several times. I've organized concerts for him. He, too, is a very gracious person. I remember he, uh, the one concert we did was a, a piece by him called Feel the Spirit. And he was extremely generous, and he really did feel the spirit because he gave the choir however many copies, I think it was 120 copies of this piece that we needed. He just said, I will provide them for you. Now, this is, you know, copies are expensive, but he wanted to promote his music. He wanted to feel part of this whole scene in South Africa, and he gave us copies of his music, and he let me keep some of the orchestral scores as well. And that sort of generosity of spirit is amazing. And I've tried also in my small way to plow back into the music business by supporting young students Mm -hmm. and helping people to get into the business of music as I did. Mm -hmm. And I was supported incredibly well by various people and institutions to get where I wanted to be. And Bryn Turville, who's singing this piece by John Rutter next, visited South Africa also. He too was generous. He was he had a generous spirit. He was very giving on the stage, talking about the music that he was performing, drawing the audience in. And that's something I've always tried to do also, is to make sure 
that the audience is comfortable listening to what we are offering so that they become part of the performance. I think it's the same on radio. It's very much a one-on-one thing. You know, we're talking to one person at home. They may be sitting alone at home, and this is their friend and entertainment, and we are talking to you at home. And let's listen then to a work by John Rutter. This is The Lord Bless and Keep You. And Bryn Terfel, as you mentioned earlier, is the baritone. He's supported by the London Symphony Orchestra with Barry Wordsworth conducting. John Rutter's The Lord Bless and Keep You. Richard, you know, you were speaking earlier about keeping or having that rapport with an audience that's watching you. And that is something that is very evident when I'm watching you conducting any kind of piece of work. You do a lot of work, open air events that, that you, uh, you put on in different places, in the zoo with fireworks, with uh, the Starlight Classics. And that creates quite a different type of audience for the kind of music that you Yeah, definitely. Present. And I think I've always been able to draw in every man, if you like, into the concerts that I do. I'm not a purist in the sense of only wanting to do Beethoven in the concert hall. There are people who like to do that, but that's actually not my scene. I'm more of a generalist in musical terms, and I love to draw people into this world that I love. So if I can persuade, you know, 5,000 people sitting in a beautiful open-air venue that what I'm doing is important to them, then that's important to me too. Mm. And if I can persuade 10 or 12,000 people at the zoo that they should be there on a Sunday celebrating Mother's Day, because that's when we used to do it at the zoo. And we really did get 10 to 12,000 people at those concerts. And we had an incredible party, a musical party. People used to dance along and sing along and clap along and just have a good time with their families. And that's part of my philosophy is that music is actually for everyone not everyone always knows it though so i need to introduce what i love to people so that they come to love it also i wonder whether some of those people then come to watch other concerts that possibly they wouldn't do i think definitely um when when i was running the national symphony orchestra that's exactly what happened because uh we used to do one concert a week at the city hall uh on a thursday night this was in days gone by. We moved the concerts from the City Hall to the Linda, which was a good move. Uh, And we then started, we had more than enough people for one night, so we started doing two nights. And I'm happy to say that they are still doing two, and they're just about to move to three, I think, because they're going to do Wednesday, Thursday, and then a Friday morning. And those morning concerts are also important. We discovered when I was running the National Symphony Orchestra, we did a whole series of concerts called Tea and Trumpets, which was designed for older people who didn't want necessarily to go out at night, but were very happy to come to concerts during the day. As you get older, so you don't want to go out at night. It's cold, you have to travel, all that sort of thing, and it's more comfortable traveling during the day. We used to pack them out on very often on a Friday morning. And we do these concerts called Tea and Trumpets, and you give them a cup of tea and a concert, and they just loved it. What's happening now is that they will be doing symphony concerts on a morning, which is uh, a great idea, and I think I hope it has great success.
Well, that's an absolutely brilliant idea. And if you are listening to the program this evening, you don't need to go anywhere either because we certainly do play the world's most beautiful music for you right here on Classic 1027. We're celebrating the life of the wonderful Richard Cock, who has just marked his 70th birthday. And what selection have you got for us next? Well, I've chosen uh, John Rutter again because he's a composer who manages to make his music very accessible. It's not, it can be deep music, and I think you can listen to it again, like Bach, on a couple of levels. But it's very tuneful, uh, very rhythmic, and very listenable. So what I've chosen is uh, a piece from his Suite Antique. And the other reason I've chosen it is that it's played by Trio Hemene. And I've always been a great supporter of uh, local musicians. I, I run a a series of chamber music concerts at a beautiful old Herbert Baker home called Northwoods. I've been doing that for 20 years, and I should think we've put on something like 250 concerts in those 20 years at this beautiful house, and Trio Hemene, in fact, have played there. It's Helen Fosslu, uh, Marion Lewin, and Malcolm Ney, Trio Hemene, so Hemene for those three performers. And I love this piece, The Sweet Antique by John Rutter. Brilliant local musicians, Trio Hemene with John Rutter's Sweet Antique. Well, we are chatting to Richard Cock, and uh, the music today is his choice, and very beautiful it is indeed. And Richard, before that piece, you were speaking about your dedication to South African musicians. I heard a story once about a South African trumpeter who was working with Pact in those days, and he lost his teeth, and he couldn't play the trumpet as a result. You're very instrumental, and you work alongside the Theatre Benevolent Fund, which looks after performers who can no longer support themselves. Tell us about that. Yeah, uh, you know, it happens. And funnily enough, uh, if it's George France you're talking about, um, I will remember that. And the, the pain and anguish that players go through when they can't play anymore. There was another trumpeter, Antoine Delay, fantastic trumpeter, who had to have treatment for um, cancer. And it was in his throat area, and he his uvula was affected so that he couldn't build up pressure anymore to play the trumpet. And it was very sad to watch that. And I kept in touch with him for many years. So it is, it's a real problem uh, for musicians who can't perform properly anymore. And, it, of course, it happens to all of us, except conductors, of course, because they seem to go on forever. <laughs> all they do is stand and shake, <laughs> and things happen. Um, yeah, so the Theatre Benevolent Fund, I've been supporting for for many years now at the Grahamstown National Arts Festival, Makanda National Arts Festival, uh, and I think they've raised some good funds. We've raised funds for them here from our Christmas concerts as well. And it's a, it's a very necessary thing because somehow we forget our old performers from all disciplines, theater, uh, radio, and, and many of these people fall on hard times mm-hmm. and they need support because the state support is perhaps not what it should be. It's definitely not what it should be. And there are many people who find themselves in really difficult circumstances, and they need the support of society at large. These are people who've contributed to our spiritual well-being during their lives, Mm -hmm. and they get forgotten and lost. And I think we have a big duty to support those people. 
Let's end off the hour with John Marsh's Symphony Number no. 3 in D major. Paul Denley is the leader of the Chichester Concert and in Graham Jones is the conductor. Today's person of note, Richard Cock, leading the National Symphony Orchestra in that rendition of Calling All Workers by Eric Coates. So, Richard, you have, uh, you're celebrating your 70th birthday, you just have, and uh, a number of years in the music industry. How long have you been working in the industry? Well, I guess from the age of 18, uh, because as soon as I left school, I started working as a church organist. And so all through my university career, and it's been hard work because if you can imagine, I worked in church music until I was 30. So 12 years, I virtually never had a weekend off uh, because I was uh, in church services. On Sundays, of course. Yeah, and often twice or three times on a Sunday. So um, it it was a busy time. It's been a busy time, yeah. and during that long yeah. career, long and illustrious yeah. career, may I add, you've met a lot of very interesting people along yeah. the way. And uh, we have some messages from some of them, especially for your birthday. Wow. And this is from one of South Africa's most highly regarded theatre directors, who I have also worked with. He's got a string of award-winning productions to his name, and uh, from time to time, he narrates some of your concerts. And his name is Alan Swerdlow. And here's a message for you from him. Maestro Cock. Heartiest, heartiest felicitations on your landmark birthday. This is something that needs to be celebrated by everyone who appreciates good music. Thank you for providing such wonderful music and memories over the decades. Thank you for, in a way, introducing me into the world of classical music and being part of it in a funny, strange way. I remember so very clearly I was doing narration for a performance of Peter and the Wolf, and uh, you were cueing my entrances very cleanly and clearly. Everyone forgets what a brilliant mime you are. And uh, I reached a point where I made a wrong entry at the wrong moment. You shook your head so vigorously that the entire orchestra sped up at that point. and the look on your face was indescribable, really. But thank you for memories like that, and thank you for making music so accessible to so many people over the years. You deserve a lot of accolades. Thank you, Mr. Swerdlow. Actually, there have been many narrators, uh, and they've amused me a lot, because we've done a lot of concerts that need narrators. Alan Swerdlow uh, wrote scripts for many of the Gilbert and Sullivan productions that we did. We updated them, uh, and he brought them into South Africa in the 20th and 21st centuries in an incredibly amusing way. Uh, He has a very sharp wit, and he and I sort of sparked off each other, and it's been really fun doing things with him. Thank you, Alan, and thanks to all the people who've been narrators over the years in my concerts and all the people who've contributed uh, and joined me on this amazing journey of where we've been in the last... Well, I've been in back in South Africa for 40 years, an incredibly adventurous and full 40 years, And it's just been spectacular to work with people like Alan and the many others that I've worked with who've contributed to this fantastic journey that I've had. I'm sure. Richard, what are we going to listen to next? Well, we've got uh, 
a short excerpt from a Mozart symphony. Uh, many years ago, I started uh, a Mozart festival to coincide with his birthday, which happens to fall in January. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it still is a lot of fun. But when we started, we started off by doing uh, his first and last symphonies in a concert, 1 and 41. And this one dates from the second year of the Mozart Festival when we did Symphony Number no. 2 and Symphony Number no. 40. And here's Symphony Number no. 2, or part of it, uh, the first movement played by the Joburg Festival Orchestra uh, as part of the Mozart Festival. The first movement from Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart's Symphony No. 2, performed by the Johannesburg Festival Orchestra under the baton of Richard Koch. Well, if you have just tuned in, you're with Classic 1027, and we're celebrating 70 years of Richard Koch's wonderful contribution to music in this country. And uh, if you'd like to send him a message, please do so. You can send us something on the Twitter handle, Classic FM 1027, or, of course, on Telegram, 066-470-1872. And do share your thoughts and your message for Richard, celebrating his 70th birthday. Richard, you've worked, as I said earlier, with many of the famous names that we play on this radio station. And one of them is Florian Ulik. Tell us about your association with him. Yeah, Florian and I have done the Mozart Festival since it started. It started actually in 2006. So that's quite a lot of years ago. But after a couple of years, it got bigger and became an international Festival, the Johannesburg International Mozart Festival, uh, and it still goes. We we do about twenty four events in a, a ten day period, so it's quite hectic, I have to say. Uh, but we've had some amazing performers at this festival. Uh, you know, from Roger Norrington, Florian Ulick, some uh, Dietrich Henschel, some wonderful singers. Um, Pascal Roger, uh, unbelievable people have come, many of them for almost no money because they're getting away from the European winter and they come and spend a couple of days here and maybe go and visit a game farm or something and just share their incredible talent with us. And Florian Ulick is one of these. He's an amazingly generous person. He was brought out here by an old lady from Durban who had heard him play She was on a cruise down the Rhine River or something, and she heard him play at one of the venues and decided she wanted to bring him to South Africa. She introduced me to him. He came to Joburg. We clicked, and he's been every year since about 2000, uh, maybe, yeah, early 2000s. He's come every year at his own expense to come and perform here for us in South Africa. Um, And not only that, he brings all his mates from Europe who he performs with. He's a very high-level performer, and he knows a lot of people, and he brings them here, and uh, they perform for us at little or no cost. And that festival has grown into something very, very special and unique in South Africa now. Um, And I'm proud of what it has brought to South African audiences because we really have produced some amazing events. Absolutely. And next year with Beethoven's um, 250th, uh, we just uh, this week uh, agreed that we would do uh, the Ninth Symphony with my choir and the Joburg Festival Orchestra. So that's going to be the beginning of the year next year. We'll start the Beethoven celebrations with a bang. Brilliant. So Florian Ulig featuring in this next piece that you've selected? 
Yes, this was the very first year that we did the the bigger festival. Um, he played uh, piano concerto number twenty one, and this is him with the Joburg Festival Orchestra playing this that beautiful slow movement. This is where it got its name of Elvira Madigan. From Mozart's Piano Concerto Number 21 in C Major. You're tuned to Classic 1027. We're talking to Richard Cock, who celebrates his three score in 10 years, uh, which is uh, the biggest moment was for that was yesterday. But Richard, we know so much about you or see you on stage very often, and we don't really know that much about uh, you personally. So this next little uh, insert is specially for that. I'm going to give you, we're going to have 60 seconds. I'm going to play this or that with you, and I'm going to give you two options each time and you have to select only one. You ready for this? I'm ready. Right. Start the clock. Tea or coffee? Tea. Biscuits or cake? Cake. Cat or dog? Cat. Summer or winter? Summer. Library or museums? Library. Text message or call? Call. Theatre or cinema? Theatre. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Book or movie? Book. Singing or dancing? Singing. Tomato sauce or mustard? Mustard. Scrambled or fried eggs? Scramble. Staples or paper clips? Paper clips. Braai or formal dinner? Braai. Sandals or sneakers? Sandals. Cricket or rugby? Cricket. Chicken or beef? Chicken. Early bird or night owl? Uh, early bird and night owl. Shower or bath? Shower. Jokes or riddles? Jokes. Mountains or beach? Mountains. Digital watch or analog? Analog. Peter Pan or Robinson Crusoe? Robinson Crusoe. Sunset or sunrise? Sunset. Electric light or candlelight? Electric. Comedy or drama? Comedy. Bach or Beatles? Bach. WhatsApp or Telegram? WhatsApp. <laughs> well, I thought you might say that. So uh, do remember, listeners, that you can uh, engage with us on Telegram. And uh, that number for that is 066-470-1872. I think you just have to put the Telegram app onto your phone. For those of us who are not really uh, electronically minded or technologically minded, uh, quite a challenge. But Telegram, you can contact us on 066-470-1872. Or for those old-fashioned amongst us, uh, you can always send us something on Facebook. We will pick it up. Richard, let's get back to the music. You have uh, worked with a number of international musicians. You've worked with South African musicians, but you also work with people, as you said, on an, a development level. And tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I've done a lot of that. Kids concerts, um, working in communities. Uh, for many years, I did the Mass Choir Festival, which was working with community choirs throughout the Gauteng area. Uh, I love working with amateur musicians, and I do it a lot with choirs, with uh, groups of uh, orchestral musicians who perhaps just want to come together for a day to play some music. Um, I love working with amateurs. I always have worked with amateurs, and uh, it gives me a huge pleasure to take people from zero to hero in a day. So we start with, you know, people who've never played together. By the end of the day, we produce a concert. That's for me is is huge pleasure. And I know that it's huge pleasure for them. You see the sense of achievement on their faces and when they go home sort of bubbling at the end of a day of making music. And still, you know, choirs that, that come together, say for last night of the proms, uh, they do incredibly well. We have one rehearsal, just the choirs. We then have a rehearsal with the orchestra, and then we do the concerts. And it's amazing if the preparation, the logistics have to be in place. But if all the preparation is done, 
people sound really good and professional in a very short space of time. I love that. Mm. And then you have your own musical group, an a cappella group called the Shanty Clear Singers. And my background is as an a cappella singer, so it's a completely different form of music, isn't it? It is. And it is sort of specialized. So I have two choirs. I have a, a small chamber choir of about 20 to 25 singers, and then I have a big symphony choir of anywhere between 80 and 120 singers. And I love working with them both. They're very different. One is sort of almost semi-professional. The other is definitely amateur. But they have to work to the same rigorous standards. And there's no half measures. You aim for the absolute best. And the amazing thing about singers and choirs is that you can keep pushing them and pushing them because you you can always go one step better. And it's a wonderful thing. I love people's voices. I love using voices together. And uh, this next piece that you will hear now is by South African composer Peter Klatzer. It's been wonderful working with many South African composers. And we've commissioned a lot of pieces for choirs, for orchestras, uh, from various composers. Peter Klatzer is one of them. And in fact, uh, very soon we'll be performing a new work by him, which is all about water. Our next concert with the Chanticleer Singers is all about uh, things green. It's called Greenscapes, and it's about water and light and uh, nature and trees and flowers and birds and animals. And the fact that many of them are becoming extinct now. And uh, Marta de Fries, who's playing actually on this recording, has commissioned a new piece from Franco Prinzler, which is called Red List, and it features plants which are on the red list. And that's all it is. It's just the names of these plants which are close to extinction or have become extinct. And it's it's a fascinating piece. And this Cover Me With The Night is not like that, but it's a beautiful piece about the night and the beauty of the night. Let's listen to this rendition of Cover Me With The Night by the Chanticleer Singers, led by Richard Cock. Peter Klatzer's Cover Me With The Night, performed there by the Chanticleer Singers, led by Richard Cock, who is in the hot seat tonight. Now, Richard, you've always presented this program, so how do you feel being on the other side? It's actually quite a strange feeling, uh, but, but a very nice feeling, and it's been very nice to choose the music for this program, too, uh, because most often I'm dealing with other people's choices of music. So it is quite unusual for me to be answering all the questions. <laughs> But it's also interesting for me to look back on, well, certainly the past 40 years that I've been in Johannesburg, but the past 70 years uh, growing up in South Africa, going abroad, coming back to this country that I love so much and just being part of its development and the evolving music scene, which has been a, a real privilege and a pleasure. And someone who's uh, been a friend of yours and uh, a, a fellow musician for a lot of that time is Simon Lomberg. And we have a message from him for you as well. One of my fondest memories is the very first rehearsal of the SABC Chamber Choir. When this group of 16 or 17 mm, total strangers sat in a semicircle in one of the studios of the SABC and Richard in the middle at the piano saying, welcome everybody to the best choir in South Africa. And so it was indeed. And while the funding lasted at the SABC, it was a wonderful group to sing with, 
We toured overseas. We did uh, remarkable groundbreaking performances of major works that had seldom, if ever, been heard in South Africa. So, Richard, here's to another 70 years and keep going all the way. So there's a message for you from Simon Lomberg. When last did you talk to him? Well, I saw him uh, a few weeks back, actually, but I hadn't seen him for a long time because he and his wife left to go and live abroad, and they've only recently come back. So, And I haven't really reconnected with him since he left, but he was, as he said, he was a founder member of the SABC Chamber Choir, which is now the Chanticleer Singers, um, on in the first week of October in 1980. And our very first concert was in the studios at SABC, M1A, and then we did a Christmas concert. Uh, and then the following year, we actually set them up as the Chanticleer Singers, because for some strange reason, we were not allowed to perform outside the SABC under the name SABC. So we had to come up with another name. So right from the beginning, we were Chanticleer Singers and SABC Chamber Choir. So when the SABC uh, withdrew its funding eventually for things like that, we just became the Chanticleer Singers. And we still go on tour, and we still do groundbreaking work, and we still do unusual concerts, and we still perform many pieces for the first time in South Africa. Brilliant. And the name Chanticleer? is from me, Richard Koch, because Chanticleer and Pertelot were two characters from um, Henry uh, Chaucer. And uh, I love Chaucer because I studied uh, medieval and old English at university, and I was very taken with Chaucer. And that's where the name Chanticleer came from. The rooster is Mm -hmm. in the story. (laughs) Richard, you've been involved with so many of these wonderful projects that have brought brilliant performers from South Africa to the fore. And Ralph Schmidt, really in the news at the moment with the Andlovo Youth Choir, um, he's also works with the Chanticleer Singers, doesn't he? Well, he has. He was a member of the Chanticleer Singers. And this is another extraordinary story because he used to talk to me often about the fact that he wanted to start his own choir. And he went off and started his own choir. Uh, I helped and advised him when he was in those early stages. And uh, he's become a huge success with the Mzansi Choir and now more recently with the Ndluvu Choir. And uh, he just has this incredible ability to take raw talent and make it into the most incredible ensemble. And they've been on whatever the show is in America. What's it called? Um, Music show. um, Yeah. What? America's Got Talent. America's Got Talent. There we go. America's Got Talent. And they and now he's on the live shows and they're progressing and so on. I think it's quite incredible. And now what his he's done. his background is that he was a member of the Drakensberg Boys Choir. Yes. The piece that we're going to feature, which is composed by him, features another member of the Drakensberg Boys Choir, Nicholas Nicolaides, who is an absolutely brilliant, one of the best tenors, I believe, in, in the country. But you also were a singer in a choir and you were a countertenor. I was a countertenor. You know, when I was at school, my voice didn't break. It sort of slid down slowly. And I tried to sing bass and tenor, but it just didn't work somehow. I think my voice hadn't changed properly yet. So I instead went to sing alto and I stuck with it. And actually, the first job I got was as a singer. I went to audition at Chichester Cathedral and I was accepted as a singer in the choir and only later did they offer me a job teaching English in the school but it was a perfect job for me because I'd studied music and English at university and 
I I got the job teaching in the school, and I stayed there in Chichester for seven incredibly happy years. Uh, teaching in a prep school was perfect for me, um, and I started choirs, and I taught piano, and I taught English, and I you know I kept incredibly busy because we literally didn't have a day off for three months at a time. Well, it really set the tone, didn't it? it? Set for the, the rest tone of your for life. the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, boarding schools played a large part in my life. I went to a boarding school. I then taught in a boarding school. And so, though, yeah, and when you're at a boarding school, they want to keep you busy. Yeah, and I did, you know, football and cross-country runs and prep and supervising practices and all that stuff. Uh, but it was an amazing, amazing seven years. I learned an enormous amount about people, about singing in choirs, because I sang in the Chichester Cathedral Choir, which was uh, an incredibly high-level choir. Mm. It was not well known, but the director of music, John Birch, he was the cathedral organist, was a stickler for discipline and detail and high standards. And I learned from him an enormous amount about choir training and about running your life and you know, being organized, and it was a fantastic time. And I've tried to pass that on to my people that I teach. Ralph was one of them, and he's done incredibly well. And this piece he wrote um, for us to sing with Jesus College when they visited here uh, last year or the year before, Makakusilele, uh, and it was very successful. And in fact, Jesus College have taken it, and they perform it now in their own concerts. Well, let's listen to this wonderful performance by the Choir of Jesus College, Oxford, with Nicholas Nicolaides featuring, accompanied by the Chanticleer singers. It's Rolf Schmidt's Makakusilele. That's an absolutely wonderful piece and featuring the amazing vocal talents of Nicholas Nicolaidis. And you love working with him, don't you, Richard? Yeah, I'm afraid that's more or less come to an end now because he and his family have moved to Canada. But Nicholas and I go back a long way. I was on a, a course, a choir course in Vintuk, and the Drakensberg Boys Choir were there too. And they heard my choir, the Chanticleer Singers, and the boys at the school decided they wanted a chamber choir also. And Nicholas and a few of his mates formed a chamber choir. And some of them still sing with me now. From those days in the Drakis, they came to Joburg. And Nick and I became great friends. He he joined my choir when he was still at school at St. John's. Um, and we remain best friends uh, right up to now, even though they live in Canada. I talk to him every other week um, on FaceTime so we can see each other. And and we had a great working relationship and a great personal relationship, and I miss him a lot. But he performed many th- times with me. And uh, coming up now is New York, New York, which became almost like a, a theme song of his. And he did it so well. And this is with the Joburg Festival Orchestra again. The absolutely brilliant vocal talents of Nicholas Nicolaides there in John Kinder's New York, New York. Richard, you uh, have been in a relationship with the same person for a rather, well, most of your life, you were telling me. No, no, half, half my life. <laughs> 35 years, because this year is our 35th wedding anniversary. If it's my wife you're talking about. Well, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 35 years we've been married and we have two wonderful children. And uh, our first grandchild. And I yeah. believe that you, you are quite besotted by your grandchild. I think this is true. Yes. 
Well, this, that's, that's information that I got from Sue, your wife, and she sent a message for you as well, and she's asked me to read it. So here's the message from Sue Cock for Richard. Richard, I've known you half your life, and what an exciting journey that has been. You've taught me so much musically in that time. I've been in awe of your ability to create new and exciting events in the music world in South Africa. And now at 70, there's no sign of your brain and talent slowing down. Congratulations on reaching the big 7-0 in such style. I look forward to many more years of discoveries with you. All my love, Sue. Hey, (laughs) this is good. Thank you, Sue. Richard, you have done so many amazing things in addition to launching amazing events that we wouldn't have had. What is there still that you want to achieve? Well, I would like to write a book about all these experiences that I've had. And I think I will. I've got enough material. And I will, I've will. i just got to put it in order and chase it up to make it all happen. Uh, and that will be a job for the next few years as we go forward. Well, it has been absolutely wonderful just to to participate a little in some of the amazing events that you've gone through in your life. And we look forward to the next 70 years. My guest this uh, evening on People of Note, the wonderful Richard Cock.